You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for season one, episode twelve coverage of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, episode title: Vaulting Ambition. Uh, these episode titles are incredible this year, aren't they? I have no idea what any of them mean. I have no idea. Yeah, we talked about this before. The other shows, you at least know what's going on. Uh, this will be an interesting one to talk about because we just finished watching it. I think it finished airing about an hour ago. Pretty much watched it as soon as it was done recording. Uh, we're jumping on to record this right away. Don't think it'll get posted right away, but this is about the freshest our opinions ever been on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, my name is Colin, mother of the fatherland. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. And my name is Jamie, uh, light of Kiddish. <laughs> What's Kiddish? Kiddish. What is Kiddish? I don't know. Is that the Klingon thing? Takuma? Kadish. Kadish? Light of Kadish. All right. <laughs> um, Szechuan. Uh... Turkish delight. Okay. <laughs> uh, so let's jump into this. As soon as this episode ended, I knew right away I need to discuss this immediately. It's late. I got to get up early in the morning. I got a school project due in two days. I don't know if I wanted to stay up to record this, but there's reasons why I have to discuss this. But main reason is I just have to find out what you thought of this episode, episode 11, Vaulting Ambition. Well, the first, I don't know if it was the first half. It might have even been like the first 15 to 20 minutes. But I thought, ah, oh, like, okay, okay, okay. Yes, I've seen this. Okay, you know, okay, what's next type of thing. And then they reveal the whole... Um, twist uh, uh with parallel universes that somebody that they thought uh was originally from their world isn't and your mind is kind of blown up like i turned call i'm like oh, wasn't that cool and wasn't Colin, that wasn't that cool wasn't that she cool? said it with the, the list for everything and hey you're the one with the list <laughs> that's <up>. true and, <laughs> and you don't have to tell the listeners they're gonna pick up on and it and then colin's like eh okay and then that's like, not what i said i said nothing I no, said, we should record this right away. You wanted to obviously reserve your opinions, but I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful for this series going forward if they continue to have things that they wrap up where you're like, well, why is it this way? And remember I, I mentioned in like one of the first episodes that we had, you know, I want them to talk about the whole uh, you know, sensitive light thing with his eyes and stuff. Yeah, so it's not just some random stupid thing they threw in there as a character quirk. No, it it obviously had a reason. So, yeah, I thought it was great. What do you think, honey? <laughs> um, this is why I wanted to jump on record right away because I have no idea what I just watched. <laughs> there, there's something really weird. I sound like a broken record week after week, but I like the direction they took in this episode. I like the direction the story's taking where this is going to lead towards but there's something really messed up with the execution on this show and the only sense I can make out of it is there was just way too much going on like this was an episode that was just begging to be a story one story let's have it be the uh, story of Burnham on the Emperor's ship or let's have it be the story of Stamets caught in this network with other Stamets or let's have it be the episode of Tyler and, you know, him going crazy and the, the Klingon woman, you know, doing whatever she was doing, electrocuting his mind, it, whatever it, that it was. It did feel a little bit all over the place, actually, now that well, you mention that. And there's there's no problem with having multiple stories on an episode, but all three of these stories were way too big to be sharing this space. And it makes me even more frustrated 
with uh, not last week's episode, but the one before that, when we came back, when Jonathan Frakes directed, where basically nothing happened. I'm like, you could have done one of these things. Have the Stamets thing in that episode if you want, you know? Um, or have the Tyler thing play out like that, or, or stretch this out into another episode, you know, we've seen, split these two things up. It's just, it's way too hard to follow what's going on. And it's it's frustrating because... I don't feel like this story is that complicated, but I'm not even entirely sure what they told us happened here. Like, okay, I get the the whole twist on the end that Lorca is from this mere universe, but I don't understand the whole thing. They keep talking about the Defiant, like this other ship somehow crossed over and that's how Michelle Yeoh knew about it and all that. It's it's just all too confusing. Like, I can't follow any of it. Yeah, like, even with um, the whole Stamets thing where he's caught with himself... Then all of a sudden, it, the doctor shows up, and some things didn't really make sense. Like you know, when he was talking to Stamets, and and Stamets is like, "Yeah, you know, I already knew you were dead. I remember holding you in my arms." And then, and then the doctor's like, "Yeah, I know. I, I saw you there, um, you know, holding me or whatever in your arms, and that's where I feel the most safest or whatever." I'm just like, "If you're dead, then like you're dead. I don't yeah, really exactly. understand what they're, what they're trying to." Say. <laughs> not so. to mention uh, here let, let me go back to the doctor again oh boy <laughs> this here is we gonna go. be three episodes in a row he wasn't even on the last episode three episodes in a row this guy is the worst actor on the show like he has zero range everything he says is so monotone it's the exact same tone of voice and you fought me on this but i asked you in the middle of this episode it was the only time we really discussed anything happening on the show i said please tell me you see what a terrible actor this guy is and do you see it yeah i agreed with you yeah and I know you kind of like his character for some odd reason. I don't dislike his character. His character is just there. He's he's non-existent. He he's he's a non-factor. The actor is bad, and it's painful to watch him in these scenes that are supposed to be very dramatic. And Stamets, who's supposed to be a cold character who doesn't respond emotionally, he has a bit of range to him. But this guy, nothing. Uh, honestly, I don't think we needed to see the Doctor again. Maybe it gave Stamets a bit of closure or whatever. But it's. It's another example of just well, what maybe, was so confusing in this episode. Maybe they were doing that too, though, because they thought that, you know, if all of a sudden they planned to proceed with the episode like they did, where he woke up from a coma and was just running to yeah. try to solve the problem, you know, obviously the first thing that Tilly was trying to explain as soon as he woke up from the coma was that, you know, he was dead. Mm-hmm. But then this way, it's like they don't have to, you know... Because if they explain that he was dead and he wasn't aware of it, then all of a sudden it's like he seems like he's basically the worst person ever if if he's not sad and they don't spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes drilling in how sad he is and yeah. then closure type of thing. So in, in a way, like as weird as it was or whatever, I think that they did it because of where they needed the story to go in the episode. It's It spared us of the soap opera melodrama that could have followed had they not done this. Yeah. But... Like you said, no clue what's going on in that sequence. No clue why these two Stamets are talking to each other. I kind of had that theory that the Stamets had switched in the past. They still haven't really resolved why Stamets had that different personality. You see the other Stamets in this episode when they meet each other. And he has that kind of very loose personality that that matched the post-Spore Drive Stamets where I said that was the mirror universe that swapped. Uh, still there's a way of writing around that but it's, it's just it's getting convoluted trying to follow this whole thing um, there's almost too much science we complained there maybe wasn't enough science or not enough explanation behind the science in earlier episodes I think there's almost too much science now that we're getting a little bit further into the show way too complicated 
the Tyler thing, I guess that was the only simple thing we saw in this episode. It, I guess the only other thing that was beneficial is that they confirmed the whole thing that, you know, there was another Tyler and they just took this identity, took his DNA and altered everything. But it's a perfect example of something I don't think needed to be in this episode. And this is where you could have maybe done a little bit more with the other two stories or given the audience enough time to digest what was going on because we've seen this Tyler thing progress week after week. It pro- they probably could have held off on like the three scenes they showed of him for another episode. You know, we, we still don't know. I mean, it didn't progress the story at all with Tyler. No. And I mean, some of the ways that they handled him were predictable. Like, you know, when you see Saru just coming to the prisoner there, what was her name again? Tarella? Scarella? Laurel? Laurel? Uh, yeah, anyways, I think it's Laurel, but, um, you know, you see him going to her and it's like, will you help him type of thing? And three times she's like, no. <laughs> then all of a sudden she's like, yes, I will. He's the love of my life and I want to have his babies. My ovaries are screaming. <laughs> well, do Klingons have ovaries? I don't know, but. Um, they got something. So anyway, so then I'm just like, well, like, if he's dangerous and stuff like that and they're not even able to help them, why don't. Why don't they just put him in the same prisoner uh, prison cell as her? And then obviously they do that. But it's like, yeah, right there, Laurel, that's her name. But it was just so drawn out. I was like, oh, like, just get to the point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, uh, and I don't want to be too critical because I did say I like that story. We loved last week's episode, which was all about Tyler. It's just, it's okay to take a break so we can catch up on these other things. The third storyline, though, this was the one that was good but really should have been better. We should have been given some focus on it. And that is Burnham and Emperor Giorgio, uh, their meeting Empress. here. Empress Giorgio, uh, the mother of the fatherland, uh, which was kind of fun. But I mean, this is everything I, with, with Michelle Yeoh, it was everything I wanted. She is like a true Star Trek villain. And I, I wish that we had had, I'm not going to say more time with her because I'm sure she'll be in future episodes, but I wish they had taken the time to set this up more. It, it, everything happens so fast in this episode, and the biggest problem is that there's no reason that this evil empress who has taken over the entire universe would sit there and listen, especially when she finds out this is the wrong person. Uh, maybe the show could have done a better job to explain why uh, she had this knowledge, you know, and we'd have to watch this again. I don't think you should have to watch Star Trek again to appreciate something but we don't really understand how she knows about uh you know the the other mirror universe or what this ship the defiant like their crew came over and she said they all just died she has some knowledge of this but it was just it happened so quickly that i couldn't follow what she was saying and then she just seems to be able to go along with this and she kills like six of her own men in in you know one move and then basically allows burnham who's not her burnham to just survive and say sure i'll help you out if you're willing to help me out a little bit, like, I, too much going on. Um, can you make any more sense out of this story than I can? Well, I mean, I know that we were talking about uh, on the last episode, I believe it was, how we were hoping that they showed uh, um, some tidbits, maybe not a whole episode, but tidbits of this other ship in the regular universe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, and then so waiting to see the Discovery crew. And then from what the Empress was saying, it's like, well, are we going to get to see that? Maybe not now, because she said that they basically all went crazy and just tore each other apart. And I mean, so yeah. it's, it seems like uh, 
you know, she was already aware of all this. So why did she think that this was the regular Michael Burnham in the first place? I don't know. Yeah, I would have to watch this episode again. The problem is I don't think this episode was good enough to want to watch a second time. I'm going to have to wait for next week's previously on Star Trek Discovery to really understand everything they were trying to put out in this episode. Uh, But it was an interesting idea that, you know, uh, they're aware that this travel is possible, uh, that mirror universe travel is possible. Um, Also, what's interesting, like you said there, what if the other crew went to the real universe? Mm Mm-hmm. And they're just gone. I mean, who knows what happened there? Um, it still leaves why there's two Stamets. Like, that was the other thing that I thought was interesting in this. I kind of was of the impression that the Stamets switched places and that the other Stamets was in the other universe. Maybe this goes along with my theory that the two Stamets uh, have both kind of coexisted there in this mini universe because we see him wake up when, when Stamets finally wakes up from this very confusing dream sequence. We see Stamets wake up, but then we realize he's on board the Empress's ship. And you realize, oh, that's the evil Stamets, the mirror universe Stamets. And then they cut to the regular Stamets waking up in the spore drive chamber or whatever. So we're going to have two Stamets, at least in this universe. And that's another fun idea that I think they could do something with. Uh, If we had the other characters, that'd be great too. But at least one of these characters is going to be able to face themselves. I think that's what they're building towards. Yeah. I mean, well, we're going to have to see how it pans out. I'm not sure if I have really any other points to bring up. I'll kind of let you take the lead on that and see if you have any questions to pin to me because I don't know I I mostly just wanted to talk about the whole switch switch thing the switch switch thing yeah with that was the alternate title of vaulting ambition was the switch switch thing but they had to change it because it was too much of a twin tongue twister yeah (laughs) a a twin twister a twin twister yeah uh but uh yeah I just mostly wanted to talk about the Lorca thing well yeah we'll get to that in a second because first we have to talk about Michelle Yeoh now how great is Michelle Yeoh as a villain as we said last week, she's, I don't she's know. She's amazing at everything. I know, but I, I don't think we'd ever seen her really play a villain before. And if we have, it's probably a small role or it's something I've forgotten, you know, some odd uh, Hong Kong movie. But I loved her in this role. And she's such a powerful actress. She doesn't get enough credit for what a powerful actress she is because she got into this kind of as a stunt woman. I mean, she really broke through as the female Jackie Chan. She She took over the Super Cop series from Jackie Chan. You know, I guess... Uh, another comparison would be Jet Li because she did, you know, Twin Dragons, a.k.a. Um, tai Chi Master with Jet Li. Then she did the Bond movie, Crouching Tiger. She's a really good dramatic actress, and most people haven't seen her in that. I mean, Crouching Tiger is, you know, the best performance she's ever given, but people still probably see the martial arts in that more than anything else. She just, oh, she is the best thing on this show. And and I love Jason Isaacs. I said that when we finished the first two episodes, I'm like, oh, I'm so sad that Michelle Yeoh is probably gone. I just can't wait to get to Jason Isaacs. I don't think I would if Jason Isaacs is a one-off, if he's sort of done after this season because, you know, we'll cover why that may be possible now. Yeah, I think I'd be okay with that because I I'm not in love with Lorca as a character, but it takes nothing for you to be in love with Michelle Yeoh as a character, whether it be the evil Michelle Yeoh or the good one. I I really hope there's a way that they could bring her in even if she becomes a new villain. And and I'll pose that question to you too. Could Michelle Yeoh become the Q of this series. You know, Q in The Next Generation, you remember Q, right? Yeah. Q was like the villain... R-S-T-U-V? Yes, that was his last name uh, and middle names, yeah. Um, But he was kind of the villain that Star Trek Next Generation started with. And he was a fun villain, but also really kind of creepy. And they just used him, you know, every once in a while in the show. You had like, you know, maybe an episode each season. And... 
it was just a fun character, kind of like Harry Mudd that we talked about in the original series. But Q would just pop up all the time, and you never knew what his agenda was. I want to see something where even if you no know, the good Michelle Yeoh is gone, this evil Empress Michelle Yeoh ends up in our universe, and she just becomes this villain that we see every once in a while. You know, what do you think the possibilities are of that? Like they have to know at this point they're onto something with Michelle Yeoh, and people are loving her. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I know you were. Uh... You were a little bit disappointed when they killed her off. And then you thought, oh, she's going to for sure come back somehow. And uh, I, I, something in me just says, like, they're not going to not use a huge mm-hmm. powerhouse like her, powerhouse actress, that they're going to let that go to waste. So I don't think it's going to be simple, like, oh, you know, let's get home, we're home, and then it's sorted. I think something's yeah. going to happen. If there are fans out there of Star Trek Discovery, um, <laughs> please explain to us why. But uh, I, I, I don't mind the show. That's being a little bit critical. That's just fun. But uh, if there are fans out there who like any character more than Captain Giorgio or Empress Giorgio, um, what is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, have you swapped places with your mirror universe self? Because she is like, light years ahead of anybody else on this show and this episode's a perfect example because she was a sinister villain but she's also interesting every time she speaks like you just listen every word she said even if you have no clue what she's talking about so i'm excited that she's going to be on the show at least a little bit longer and uh you know i'm hoping they could bring her over in the other universe uh as we talk about that i mentioned last week about the expendable characters that i'm kind of of the opinion that tyler is going to be a one-off by the end of the season maybe he'll have his redeeming moment or he won't but this is going to be like their Game of Thrones thing where any character is expendable. Uh, Lorca. So what we found out about Lorca this week is that he is the Ymir Universe version of him. And there's still unanswered questions like at whatever point this Lorca swap places, which I'm guessing has to do with when his ship was lost. What is his ship's name again? The Bran? Yeah. Yeah. So when the Bran was lost... You know, the entire crew was gone. Uh, Lorca talked about how he was the only survivor. So I guess that would make sense, right? If the Bran is the ship that crossed into this Mir universe and the Lorca switch places, then this Lorca would appear to be the only survivor, which is what the, the background of his character, I believe, was. Um, the other Lorca, is he still alive in this universe? Are we going to see two Lorcas at some point? That's a good question. And then obviously, too, they were... Um... They were talking about how, you know, they're uh, all wow together. What? Um, Is that what they were implying? Yeah. Were they implying that about Michelle Yeoh and Jason Isaacs? Or? No, Michael Burnham. Well, I mean, no, they said that he groomed her, that he was like her father figure. I don't think they were implying that they got it on, did they? Uh, I'm pretty sure. See, this is where the episode was way too much information because I was kind of taking it away from that and it was this montage that was revealing maybe that's the other problem when you're revealing the twist of who Lorca is and they're saying you know the thing with the sensitivity to light that's something that's uh, to the mirror universe alone which is the proof he's the mirror universe version and then that he kind of chose her from the beginning and you, we wondered all the way back at the beginning of the series why is he just allowing her on the ship you know I, but- I'm, I'm not willing to believe the show had this plan all along because we know for a fact that they were making it up as they go because they changed showrunners they changed the entire direction of the show right from the beginning they literally had no clue what they were doing but but when she came on the ship though i felt like he was actually quite flirtatious with her see i didn't pick up on that 
Um, you're kind of oblivious though to anything like that. Not just because you're a guy, but just because of who you are. Because I'm dumb? You're so oblivious for anything like that. I'm oblivious to sex, as we've learned on the Oz there, Network. There was a girl that we used to work with, and I told I told you to take her off your Facebook because she was like like really like downright flirting with you, and you're like, no, she's not. But no, I, I, my whole point was that she was that way with everybody. But I'm like, no, I don't care. All right. And, but- I'm, and I'm not possessive that way, but it's like... <laughs> But she was like trying to be all over you, and I'm like, "That's my man, yeah, babe." Um, I don't know what it has to do with Lorca and Burnham, but I I can pick up when a show is implying the two characters are getting it on. But I just I don't know. Maybe there was too much information. Can, can you all the time though? Really? You know? Yeah, I, I, I can pick up on anything in these shows. That's I why I can so. reveal the twist to you before they happen most of the time. I'm a genius. No, you picked up on something with Peppa Pig earlier today that was pretty <laughs> smart. So, I mean, I know that's a children's show, but I actually didn't even catch it. I, I picked up, and I'll have to watch more episodes to figure it out, but I picked up on the fact that Peppa Pig, if anybody out there has children, then I guarantee you've watched Peppa Pig, and if you haven't, you will. I actually think it's a pretty entertaining show. You know, Noah and I talked about this because uh, he's watched Peppa Pig with his sister, but in Peppa Pig, each episode is kind of maybe four different stories, uh, and... I picked up on that each story begins visually with something that connects it to the last story, even if the two stories aren't connected. Like there was one where it was raining and the next story starts and it's raining in the background, even though it's not part of the story. One episode ended with them jumping in mud puddles and the next episode began with them cleaning a a mud stain off of the dad's shirt. You know, that's one episode I saw. Maybe I picked up more of that, but there you go. If I can pick up these things on Peppa Pig, I can pick up if Lorca and Burnham are getting it on sure all right well we'll find out if jamie's right by the end of this season but even if you are right i mean i think it just makes the case that this episode is very confusing and very sloppy and too much information going on yeah uh, but the lorca twist about him being the mirror universe version of himself that i love because this lorca was at odds at least this is the impression i'm getting both lorcas are at odds. like the lorca from the mirror universe was at odds with the emperor yeah. Therefore, the mirror universe version of him would be a good guy in our universe. So is the other Lorca, the one who is on the Bran, is he, you know, now this evil villain that we haven't seen? Like, the unanswered questions of the mirror universe, this is one thing I'll say the show got right. Uh, mirror universe episodes always in the past were either one part or two part episodes. They're really allowing themselves to explore this idea of an alternate universe that is kind of the opposite and even playing up on things that, you know, you watch other Star Trek shows, you're like, isn't it an incredible coincidence that all these characters have the same names and they all know each other in the other universe, even though the world is different and all the circumstances are different? And here you have that, you know, kind of philosophical question that, um, that uh, what's his name, Lorca had, where he's saying, you know, is this the greatest example ever that destiny does exist? And I think in some ways they're having fun with it. I mean... Do you think, where do you think they're going to go with this Lorca thing? Could he be a one-off character, as I was asking? Or... It could be possible where they have his uh, other universe, like regular universe person, survive there, and he's there too. I mean, it's definitely a possibility because we see that they've now allowed both Stamets to be in this parallel universe together. So who knows? It could be something like that where push comes to shove and the good... Uh, Lorca is uh, brought back somehow and he's in the show but I don't know what they're going to do honestly 
But do you think that Lorca is a character that you can see as being... I've been of the opinion up until now that you at least have your three main characters and they're not going anywhere. Burnham will be on the show regardless. Saru's on the show regardless. Lorca's on the show regardless. Maybe Lorca is gone. Maybe that's a big surprise at the end of this. And then next season, Saru is the captain or Burnham. I would be of the opinion they're probably they would probably go the direction that Burnham becomes the captain. Tilly? Not Tilly. Anybody but Tilly. Uh, I still don't get your Tilly... I'm not even going to say love because I don't even think you love Tilly. You just, you can appreciate Tilly and I can't. Uh, but no, I, I think that he's a character that I can see as being expendable. And whether they go that direction or not, it has me a little bit more interested in the show to know that I'm not able to predict that everything's going to work out fine. You know, you watch any other regular sci-fi show, you know the crew's all going to survive. Here, they could be gone. I mean, Jason Isaacs could have signed on for one season and then that's it. Uh, and then the show goes in a different direction next season. Who knows? That's just a theory I'm floating out there along with uh, the Tyler theory. Um, but uh, do you want to see him continue on? Like, are you interested enough in Lorca that you're like, I want him on next season? Or are they building, like I said with Tyler, that his story arc has almost become too big now that where do you go with him next year? Um, I don't know. I like uh, I like him as a, a character. So it's hard because, like, you haven't had a lot of um, what's the word? You haven't had a lot of attachment to these characters, really, honestly, mm-hmm. because they haven't really tried to make them personally relatable. If that makes sense, because none of them are likable, which is what we've been saying since the beginning. It's kind of true. Yeah. So. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I like him on the show, and I like the twist they're doing. But if if he goes on, you know, I just hope that they have a good story for him. Well, yeah, because how are they going to top this now? He's not from our universe. Yeah. Um, we'll rate this episode now, I guess. Buy it, rent it, bin it. Uh, this is the shortest episode we've done because we don't understand half the stuff that happened in this episode. And it's not because we're dumb. It's because the show is sloppy. Uh, where are you going with this one? Um, you know what? It's hard because I keep saying the same thing. It seems like a broken record, but um, certain parts of the episode were really good and really interesting, and then certain parts just really dragged. So I would say rent it for the parts of it that are interesting, but it's hard because it's like they're still trying to find their footing. It seems like they keep tripping, but they're kind of trying to find their footing to run. And in the defense of Star Trek, that is common with every Star Trek show, I think, struggled in the beginning. Uh, And on top of that, this one, you know, they did have the two show creators, the showrunners, that left after the premiere, the first two-parter, and they basically revamped the show on the spot and have been winging it. So, you know, some of that is kind of evident, but this is going to be the weirdest show ever in that I probably will be interested to watch it next year, regardless of how this turns out. If if the last three episodes are all Bennett's from me, I'm still excited to watch next year, just because I like the direction. I can see potential in everything they're doing. It's just the execution is off. For me, this one is an easy bin it, even though there's a lot of things I enjoyed in this episode, because it was a mess. And I'm interested to see what you know other fans and critics think about it. I know the critics are going to be like, this is the greatest episode of Star Trek in the history of the show, because you know they've kind of been of that opinion with all the bad episodes so far. But yeah, I think this one's a bin it for me. Um, there's no... Uh, better way to uh, back that up than the fact that I said I would have to watch this a second time to really understand everything they put in this episode and I have no interest in watching it a second time. Yeah. No, I I don't want to watch it a second time either. (laughs) So, 
we've struggled every single week to get Jamie to remember anything to do with ranking. She's leaving now that I said ranking. She has walked away from the room. I don't know what she's doing. My, gla- my glasses are dirty. Her oh. bra is still on. Oh, she's cleaning her glasses this time. My bra isn't on. Yeah. Okay, well, you didn't have to announce that on the air. Well, you announced it first. Well, no, I, I said it was still wearing, on. I'm wearing, like, spaghetti strap. Like, can you not see that I don't have a bra on? I w- I'm not looking. I'm looking at a computer screen right now as we're recording. Such um, a guy. <laughs> such a guy who doesn't understand anything about sex, apparently, but was able to procreate. Uh, doesn't take very much. <laughs> so, in our rankings every single week, you don't really get the rankings. You don't remember half the stuff. I'm going to go easy with you here. I'm going to see if you remember the villains of the first three Star Trek movies. Um, so, because I love Tom Hardy was in the final Star Trek movie. He doesn't count. First three Star Trek movies. We'll do two things here, okay? We're, we're going to give you two possible choices. We're either going to go with Star Trek 1 through 3 being the original series movies. So the first movie had V'ger. Do you remember V'ger? The artificial intelligence yes. giant ship that, that took really the form of the woman, the bald woman yes. in the miniskirt. Yes, yes. Um, there's an intimidating presence, a bald woman in a miniskirt. Uh, Khan, I'm sure you remember the Wrath of Khan movie, right? Yeah. Okay, so you remember Khan the villain. Yeah. Do you remember Christopher Lloyd as the Klingon villain in The Search for Spock? No. Oh, we were almost there. Well, in all fairness, Khan was going to be number one regardless. So uh, here's one I know you will remember. The recent Star Trek, because this show is more similar to the recent Star Trek movies, uh, the J.J. Abrams ones. So the villain in the first one was Eric Bana as the Romulan. Do you remember Eric Bana as the Romulan in Star Trek with Chris Pine? Uh, yes. Okay, you, you vaguely remember. Yes. You're smiling, so you probably don't, but let's just say you do. <laughs> you remember Benedict Cumberbatch in Into Darkness as Khan, right? No. Oh, come on. Do you, you, Into Darkness was the other this is, one this is with Chris Pine and Khan? Just do your own rankings. And Fine. I'll, I'll sit here I'll clapping do, you I'll, I'll do both. I'll be the supportive wife. I'll do both. Uh, you remember Idris Elba in Star Trek Beyond? Is that their alien name? Is Idris Elba their alien name? <laughs> Idris Elba is an actor. Oh. You don't know Idris Elba. As I'm pulling it up on the screen here trust me you know who idris elba is oh that's the doctor what doctor the doctor that's not the doctor i actually do see a weird resemblance at least with the young idris elba here and the doctor but no idris elba is not the doctor on star trek discovery oh idris elba he's like you know huge movie star right now oh yeah he was in thor he was in Thor, yeah, that's right. Um, what else would you know him from? Uh, uh, well, Star Trek Beyond, obviously. The Dark Tower. Yeah. None of this ringing a bell with you. Molly's Game. You didn't see Molly's Game with me. That was me by myself. Prometheus. Pacific Rim. Prometheus. The Captain in Prometheus. Yeah. Okay, so you know who Idris Elba is. You just don't remember who he played because you thought Idris Elba was the alien name. Sure. Okay. Was it an alien name or alien species? Which one did you think it was? Name. Okay. I'm not racist. <laughs> um, I don't know how that would make you racist. This is funny to me. Anyways. Well, alien race, human race. I will go with ranking the villains. Uh, but I'm not going to go with either of those. I will go with the next generation villains, 
which we may have actually done in another episode. I don't think so. But Malcolm McDowell played the villain in Generations. Malcolm McDowell, of course, from The Clockwork Orange. Uh, great actor. Uh, the second one was the, the Borg Queen in First Contact. You remember the Borg Queen, right? Yes. Uh, do you remember F. Murray Abraham in Insurrection? You know, the guys who kept stretching their faces to preserve their youth? There was no. that twist about the family youth? No. Okay, cool villain. And then Tom Hardy as Picard Jr. or Shinzon in Nemesis. So if I'm ranking those, I'm going to go with... Uh, sadly, even though I love him as an actor, Malcolm McDowell would be fourth. Uh, because it, he was playing Malcolm McDowell. It wasn't like there was much to the character. And that movie, as much as I love Generations as a movie, I feel that movie was mostly sold on just Picard meets Kirk. And that kind of stole most of the scenes on the end. Uh, my third would be F. Murray Abraham in Insurrection. I already said I'm a big defender of Insurrection as a movie. But uh, you know, overall, I just don't think it compares to how iconic the other two villains are. So we're down to the Borg Queen and Tom Hardy. Uh, who's your number one of the two that you remembered? Tom Hardy. And why? Because he's hot. All right. Well, I would say he'd be number two, and I love Tom Hardy in Nemesis, but I mean, it just doesn't compare to the Borg Queen. The Borg Queen's an iconic villain, uh, probably in my opinion up there with Khan, uh, not at the same level as Khan, but an easy second for all-time Star Trek villains. So I'm hopeful that Michelle Yeoh can one day be up there as one of the great villains of Star Trek as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. This is where Jamie stops talking. Uh, this one was episode number 12, was it? 12. Um, next week, maybe we'll see a planet. That would be nice before the end of the season. We've only seen one so far. Uh, episode title is What's Past is Prologue. Just another weird episode title. I will say, there, there's the, they've released the episode titles of the last two of the season. Uh, the second last of the episode will be The War Without the War Within. I think that's a, a decent episode title. Uh, and then will you take my hand worst finale name ever seriously uh, that must be when Lorca proposes to uh, alternate universe Burnham that must be it right I don't know alright wasn't that like a Beatles song war without war within or will you take my hand you mean I want to hold your hand oh yeah <laughs> all of a sudden they just start playing the Beatles in the background yeah. I want to hold your hand <laughs> um I want to hold your hand. Solos by Jamie, the new segment on Star Trek Discovery episodes. Uh, We'll be back next week. This episode will probably be posted within about 24 hours of this one airing. So uh, you're welcome for us getting it out there so soon. And we're sorry to all those that we just spoiled this uh, because you're used to us getting them out a week late. And you had not seen this episode yet. But uh, consider yourself lucky that we spared you from this. And my name is Jamie, and I'm sorry for singing off-key. And my name is Colin, and you're welcome for me not singing at all. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.